Continuing in our series, All That Remains, uh, out of 1 Corinthians, the love chapter. And uh, he continues uh, to speak to the Corinthians on this topic of all that matters, all that remains, are the three things, faith, hope, and the most important one, love. And Chad did a beautiful job of sharing the story that we know, the woman at the well, and how Jesus went to the woman. He went through Samaria to meet her right where she was at, uh, and while the disciples were eating and getting lunch, uh, he went to the one who was broken. And oftentimes Jesus does that. He goes directly to the least expected, the the outcast, the oppressed, the marginalized, the minority. He breaks down barriers to reach those because he cares so much. He loves relentlessly. And uh, we're going to continue in that thought, all that remains. And uh, while we're still sinners, right where we're at, he lavishes us with his love. And uh, God did that. He, he not only loved the world, he so loved that he, he uh, sent his son for each and every one of us. So we're going to continue in this. In another story in the Bible, uh, there's plenty of demonstrations of God's love and Jesus's love uh, through miracles. But there's also demonstra demonstrations of his love through relationship. And uh, I don't know if you're in a relationship like John, he got a boo thing, uh, but Chad and I have been married almost 12 years and uh, we're in a relationship. And uh, love is uh if you're married, you know, is, is a commitment to one another. And I love Jesus's commitment, not only for that new love, that, uh, that love like elf, I'm in love and I want everyone to know it, you know, like just the, you know, not that love that makes us float and fly, just that lasting love, that committed love in a relationship with us. So we're going to look at a portion of scripture in Luke chapter 10, two sisters, Mary and Martha in the city of Bethany. And uh, if you are a parent of sisters, God bless you. I have three sisters. Uh, it says in Luke 10, verse 38, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they were journeying, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha, everyone say, but Martha. She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She was cleaning up, throwing things, shoving them in the closet. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all of this by myself? Tell her to help me. Oh, Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. You are angst and troubled, but few things are needed, or indeed actually only one. Mary has chosen what is better. The thing that I desire most is your heart, your time, your love, and your relationship. And once I have that, it will not be taken away. It won't depart because nothing can separate us from the love of God. If you're taking notes, I'm titling this talk today, Love That Lasts. Ooh, that lasting love. And uh, let's pray one more time together. God, we thank you. 
for what you're about to do. God, let me articulate your word and let our hearts be open to transformation because without a revelation of your love, we can't be changed. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, I really do believe that there are uh, two types of people. There are uh, Bachelor fans and there are non-Bachelor fans. Uh, I am not a fan of the show The Bachelor. Have I ever watched it? Um, no. So I can't even tell you if I like it or not. But in general, I don't usually select the romance movie. Um, you know, they call that the lover or the fighter. I wouldn't consider myself a fighter. I like to watch conflict. So I guess that's The Bachelor. But um, I... I I have uh, a tendency to prefer the war movies. Now, uh, before you judge me and think I have a troubled, vexed soul, um, I, you know, they say, they being therapists, I guess, or the internet, uh, they say uh, to blame the childhood, right? You know, it's your upbringing. And uh, my dad loved U.S. history, and uh, he, he played college football. He was a man's man, so he, and then he had four girls, and God has a sense of humor. And uh, when I uh, was a teenager, my parents decided, mostly my father, decided that it would be a really fun, good time to take the four girls uh, over to the East Coast and um, do a tour of Gettysburg, where the Gettysburg battle uh, was fought during the Civil War. Now, um, I don't know if you've ever been 16 on a family vacation, and you're just hoping to find that summer vacation boyfriend like the Olsen twins did on their show, but um, I'm like, uh, can we go to the Outer Banks? or, you know, and he's like, no, we're, okay, everyone, okay, girls, line up, here we go, and one, two, three, four scores, and seven years ago, and then we, he's like, ready, charge, and, like, we're charging the hills, like, pouring down rain, they're like, no, dad, like, we just want the beach and a pool and boys to look at, you know, I mean, just, like, I, this was, like, what I grew up in, so, Naturally, I love war movies, and um, because of my childhood, because you know that's where all the problems lie. Um, I'm I'm just not like a gushy, lovey-dovey person. So you know, God knew, and so I have three boys in Georgia, and uh, but there's mostly testosterone in our home. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of battling. You know, like there's just there's tough love, right? And uh, actually, when Chad told me that he loved me, I told him thank you. And it's not because I have ice in my veins. It's just like it, it, it was his fault. He, he, he came in too early. And it, it's another story for another day. But uh, I ha we have a lot of boys. Uh, there's a lot of fighting going on, a lot of brawling. Uh, you know, the boys think, it, you know, that war is funny and battling and my two-year-old says, I fight you. And I was like, no, you don't fight mom. And, uh, you know, the, the baseboards are a mess. They use those as target practice. And that's not from Nerf guns, if you know what I'm saying. And, um, and, and the boys are, are wild and out. And I love it. And they're a lot of fun. Uh, but my, my middle son, Maverick, he, he's not as tough as the other two. Now, when I say he's not as tough, like he can hang. But by nature... He, he's a love. 
He's got a soft spot. I say there's two things that you can guarantee about Mavi Boy, that, that he's obsessed with his mom, and you're never going to guess what he's going to do. And he's full of surprises. He's a free spirit. Uh, you know, he's like a true middle child personality. And uh, Maverick, Maverick is, is such a love. I mean, he is, he is picking flowers for me every day. I mean, he proposes to me all the time. He talks about the long list of girls that he loves. And when he was three, he looked at me and he goes, Mom, I'm a lover. And I'm like, excuse me, one more time? He says, I'm a lover. I'm like, you mean lover? That's kind of a provocative word for a three-year-old. You must have learned it from Alfalfa from Little Rascals. But uh, you possess the love uh, that all of us like want to receive. So he makes my heart melt. But a couple weeks ago, we bought this new griddle. And I went to Home Depot. I got the griddle. I went to Home Depot because Chad does not go to Home Depot. But uh, we got the griddle. There's uh, there's no uh, cover like a barbecue. And so the griddle is exposed. And uh, uh, the the Maverick and my younger son, you know, when you when kids, you tell them they can't touch, what do they want to do? They want to touch. So so they, they touch the hot griddle, and instantly they have little blisters. So we're getting the ice packs, and they're crying. Well, we didn't see it happen. And so Mav was really scared about getting in trouble for touching the griddle. So he came up with this story about how a dog bit him. And we're like, honey, we see the blister. It was the same time that your brother admitted to touching the, the griddle, and uh, we know that you touched the griddle. Well, he went on with the story for two hours, and uh, he was committed to this elaborate story where an invisible dog jumped the fence and hid under the griddle and came up and bit him just as he was touching the griddle, but he did not touch the griddle. You know, I got the six-year-old chanting, liar, liar, you know, throughout the house. And I'm like, we got to get the truth out of this. So, so I, just, I just attempted a parenting tactic. So I sat him down on the counter. I looked him in the eyes, and I said, honey, who do you love more than anything? He says, mama. I said, okay, remember a couple nights ago when you were sobbing in your room, and I come in, and you're just hysterical, and you're like, mom, I just love you so much. There's nothing wrong. I'm just crying because I love, I just love. I mean, that is like him. I go, remember that? I was like, and we had this moment, you and I. I go, remember that? Remember that? I go, now, if you are lying to me, it is going to break my heart into a thousand pieces. And he's like, Now tell me again, was there a dog or was there a griddle? He's like, I mean, sure enough. I mean, he just broke down. And I go, I love you, but you will break my heart if you lie to me. And he's like, it was all me. I touched the griddle. I'm a horrible maverick. Oh, honey, no, 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 no. You're not horrible. We just need to talk the truth. And uh, anyone that's willing to help me with lying children, you know, send your comments, info at zoechurch.org. But maverick was moved by love. It was my expression of the heart and the relationship that actually motivated him to move towards change. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship, but love does something to us. And we find ourselves in this story where Jesus is coming to two sisters 
And he's coming to a place that is on his way to Jerusalem. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on your way to a destination and it got disrupted. See, Jesus, many a times we see in the Bible that he was on his way to a destination and he stopped to perform a miracle. He was on his way. He was, he was on his way to go here. He was on his way to go there. And, and something moved him to touch someone. Something moved him to heal someone. And this story that we find ourselves in, this is, this is, this is a place where he's not going to go do a big miracle. This is not water to wine. This is not someone being raised from the dead. This is, this is not salmon and sourdough loaves. Like this is a visit into a home and to a sisterly quarrel. And I'm like, this is interesting. And Jerusalem, where he was headed, was only a couple miles away from Bethany, where the home was. So he was close. He was almost there. I don't know if you've ever been almost at the place where you were intended to go. You were almost to the promotion. You were on your way to losing those 15 pounds in 2020. You were just about to get into that relationship because you spotted the guy while serving at Zoe Church, and this was your year. You were almost there. You were on your way. And then suddenly, a detour took place. An interruption happened. Jesus, like the woman at the well, he goes through. And on his way, he stops and he detours. Can I tell you that sometimes... Unexpected detours can lead to deliberate destinations. Places and moments where you're actually supposed to encounter miracles. So they were on their way and he stops and uh, he starts to enter the home and Martha's in a, in a fluster and flurry and she's trying to get everything together and, and, and he... He, it was intended for one place, but he stopped to visit a home. And I just thought that was such an interesting picture because a lot of times it's the home, and especially now we're all mostly at home. It's the home where we're wrestling with stuff. It's the home where it's the dark places of our heart that we're really trying to get healed. It's, it's the home where it's the secrets where no one knows. It's the home where, where some of the real torment is happening. And he visited her at her home. I don't know if you are a road trip family, but uh, Chad and I have been driving a lot more during this time. Sometimes we'll just load up the kids and drive around the block. I mean, it's just like life-giving. Uh, but we've been doing a lot of drives to see the ocean, see the sunset. And uh, I have a preference, I guess we should say, of how I would like the car to look if we were going to go on a road trip. Um, I like the snacks to be accessible and the, you know, the, everything to be organized. I, I think the car should be vacuumed. And, um, and, you know, when we open the trunk of the minivan, I don't want my toiletries to be rolling and falling out down the driveway. And uh, my number one preference or pet peeve is that um, the car the car should be gassed up. Now, um, we've had a couple incidences um, or situations where the car was not 
gassed up. And, uh, you know, and so we get, we start the road trip with momentum and excitement and adrenaline. And I mean, we're just like five miles in. He's like, we need to um, go get gas. I'm like, honey, does a marathon runner stop for a cheeseburger at mile two? (laughs) No. But um, maybe you feel like you love the feeling of a controlled environment, car, a destination, a path that's clear. And it feels right now that that's a little unclear where you're headed. And, and, and you're on your way to a promise of God, or you're on your way to achieving a dream, and you've worked hard to get to that destination, to get that promotion, to get that relationship. I mean, you, you, you've gone so hard to get to that place and 2020 hits and there's a detour but in those moments where it feels unknown where it feels like uh, uh, are you out there are you out there can you hear me are you out there can you hear me Oh, 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 2020 is the unknown into the unknown. Oh, 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 oh. Just kidding. Wrong. Okay. No, I'm not in the worship team. But maybe it feels that way. I'm like, uh, sometimes I get in that place where I'm like, God, uh, God can, you just get, can you just show me? where I'm headed right now. I'm willing to be flexible and pivot. I've signed up to the call of God on my life, but I I really want to know where the light is at the end of the tunnel. And we yet don't know how long we're going to be in a pandemic. And uh, my son, Winston, asks me often, he's like, Mom, when... What, when is the coronavirus? He says the whole word. I'm like, you know, there's a lot of abbreviations now. You know, he's like, when is the coronavirus going to be over? And I'm like, honey, I don't know, but why do you ask that? And he goes, I just want to know when I can party all the time. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, calm down. But a lot of us just, they want to, we want to know. We need to know. And I don't know what course you feel like you're on. Maybe you feel, maybe you feel lost. Maybe you feel disconnected. Can I just encourage you today that he can certainly turn those detours in divine moments. And in those moments, miracles can take place. And in those moments, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you're right there, right there of receiving the promise. Maybe you're like Joseph where it's delayed and it's, it's a deep detour and, and you're just like, I just, I just need to get there. Can I just remind you that he orders your steps and even though it feels like there is a detour, he is in control. He is in your boat. And God comes to you and he visits you at your home and there is nothing that is too far for him to stop on his way. His love reaches to you. And Martha is just, she's, she's not satisfied with the intersect of those divine detours. Like she, she wants to control her path and her route. And, uh, you know, here comes Martha and she's, she's, She's doing her thing, and she's getting worried, and she's getting distracted. Now, Martha 
is, is more of the relatable character, at least for me. See, see Mary, uh, she's, the, she's the freeloader, you know. I mean, Martha is the one we want to hire. Martha means master. Martha is a boss. It says that it's Martha's home. This is, you know, it is Martha's mortgage. Uh, Mary is, uh, she's a part-time freelancer that sleeps until 11 a.m. every day. She likes coffee dates, long walks on the beach. She likes playing with my kids, and then my kids think that she's the best one ever because she doesn't have to worry about anything. She still complains that she's tired. You know, Mary is Enneagram 4, wing chill. Martha is Enneagram wing boss, you know, like, you know, Mary is just like not a care in the world. Everything is flower and sunshine. You know, Mary doesn't wear a mask, you know, Mary, calm down. But, um, but I'm like, I relate with Martha. Martha is kind of, you know, I'm like, Yes, Martha, get it done. You know, you produce, get that mortgage. You know, she's a, she's a doer. And so, 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 so Martha is like, Martha's like, you know, really God, uh, uh, I'm uh, like, she's over here sitting. And so I'm just going to get busy because I'm getting frustrated. So what do we do is we just fulfill our time. We just get busy. I'm frustrated with the detour. I'm frustrated with the delay. So I'm just going to consume, consume, consume. I'm going to do, do, do. Does it sound familiar? She's going to start quantifying and conditioning herself to, to be in the if and then scenario. So she's like, if I do, 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 so then I can earn, earn, earn. If I do, 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 then then maybe he'll love, love, love me. Because she's so busy that she starts creating distance with her distraction. Number two, if you're taking notes, distractions create distance, and distance can breed distortion. So then in verse 40, you see Martha escalating and saying, Lord, do you not care? Do you... Do you not see her and her lazy self, you know, sleeping in? And you see, do you not care? Do you not notice all that I do? Because she has an understanding of love that's conditional. I think a lot of us have that same perspective. We're conditioned for conditional love. I mean, surely all the married couples understand what it means to, if we get distant, we start distorting things, you know. What did I mean, what did you mean by that text, you know? Um, do you not see that all that I have done for you? I mean, have you seen that I did the dishes at night, you know? And we start quantifying all the things that we did in a day. And it's really just, we're distant from his love. And we do so much doing that we neglect to take time to let the main thing be the main thing. And in this, we see that, that she's saying, let me show you how much I care. We're like that. Show me, prove it. Show me how I love you. Prove it. Take out the garbage. Prove it. Take the kids. You know, like prove it. Like we're just conditioned for proving it. And we see in this passage of scriptures in 1 Corinthians that Paul is talking to the Corinthians and, and, and the series that we're in is these love verses in chapter 13 verses 1 through 7 and it says 
If I speak in the tongue of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong of a clanging cymbal. So you're kind of annoying. If I have the gift of prophecy, and if I have faith, I can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I, see, we're seeing a lot of ifs. If I give all, of I, all I possess to the poor, and if I give my body to hardship, but do not have love, I gain nothing. If I give, and I give, and I do, and I do, but I do not have love, is it all worth it? If I'm not in relationship with the one who is relentless to be in relationship with us, have we, have we gained from that? That's what they're saying. Are, have you gained anything if you talk the talk and walk the walk and boast your gifts, but you're not in relationship with me? It goes on in verse 4, love is patient, love is kind of the wedding, the wedding scripture here. It does not envy, it does not boast, it looks like this. In verse 7, it says it always protects, protects, bears, covers. I don't know about you, but I've got cracks and flaws. I'm on a journey. Like I want someone to protect me when they love me. Love trusts. It always trusts. It believes. It sees simply as a church. We need to believe the best in someone. If someone you're questioning and you have distance that brings distortion and you're, you're, you're insecure and you're like, what do they mean by that? Can I just give you something that will help you in relationship? Just assume the best. Trust and believe and see the best. Love always hopes and love always endures, always perseveres, always committed, does not reject or acquiesce, does not use the verbiage, I'm done. Love doesn't do that. And Paul's trying to say urgently, all the time, always, this is what love is. And I'm like overwhelmed. I was on the phone with my mom and I, I was FaceTiming her yesterday and she's following me around the house while I'm trying to wrangle the kids. It's like a Blair Witch Project. And she's like, honey, honey, uh, just, you know, mom's just trying to throw in their advice real quick. Honey, honey, just remember to be consistent. I'm like, consistent, I'm trying, you know. And, um, but I'm like, love always, at all times. And then I was like, I, I don't know if I can accomplish this, but, what is this passage of scripture? It is a picture of Jesus's love for us. I mean, who has perfect love? God is the only one that can give perfect love because he's a perfect picture of love. Because Jesus is a perfect man. None of us, we're all flawed and broken. So I replace in verse seven instead of, and I put in God, you know, God always protects. God always is one we can trust in. He's always the one we can hope, and he always perseveres. He does not ever disappoint. It doesn't matter the distractions that have caused you distance. He will chase you down. He will come to you because nothing can separate us from the love of God. I'm going to ask the band to start playing in number three in verse 42. It says, there's few things that are needed, and it's basically that you just sit here. Maybe you need to, in this season, in this moment, take a seat and receive. You're like, I've been in quarantine for a long time. You should see the pounds that I've added, and I've been taking some seats, you know? No. I'm talking about taking a seat 
at the feet of Jesus and receiving his love. See, I'm a doer. I mean, I, I mean Martha is like, that's my girl. And God's rebuking her. And I read this and I'm like, God, let me receive your love. And I look at areas of unforgiveness in my life and places in my heart that need to be changed. And I'm like, oh, I actually can't do and I can't give and I can't produce and I can't aid and I can't exercise my gifts unless I learn how to fill up first. Take a seat. Maybe you're frustrated this pandemic is taking too long and it's interrupting your plan. Take a seat. Trust in him. Receive all that he has for you. Don't let a moment go by where you can't see the miracle that he's doing right there. And I'm like, I, I'm, I just like, sometimes I just like, I want to get busy. I feel anxious about everything on the news and I just want to... Um, fill my time with Netflix and, and, and I just want to make myself busy and I want to do, do, do because if I do this, then I can feel this way. And this is Martha. If I, if I, if I do this, then I earn, you know? And, and I'm like, take a seat, Julia. Take a seat. I'm like, no, 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 God, you've called me to a lot of, to, a lot of people. I want to reach people. I want to, I want to make myself busy because I, I, I have a passion to go and tell people about Jesus. I want to be at the church, and we're trying to figure out how to do this. I want to work hard. I want to work hard. I want to work hard. And he's like, you know what? Just take a seat. Because Jesus took a seat for 30 years before he ever went out and performed a miracle. It says he couldn't eat. He was consumed with learning. He was consumed with receiving. He was consumed with spending time with the Father, even as he went to the cross and he had you in mind. And he was relentlessly after relationships. So he did the ultimate sacrifice. You know what he did before he went to the cross? He took a seat in the garden. He took a seat with his Father. And he said, God, Fill me up so then I can give. You want to reach people? You want to love people? You want to age? You want to use your gifts? You want to help people? You got to take a seat in the presence of the one who can fulfill and sustain and be the overflow of your life. Verse 13, it says, now all these three, only these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but my favorite, the greatest, is, is of course love. You know this, I'm crazy about you. And we strip our distractions and we sit down and we're in your presence, then we can, then we can receive enough to produce. So it's remain, remain in these things, remain in love. We see that word remain again in John chapter 15, verse four, it says, remain in me. As, as also, because it's a committed relationship, as I remain in you. 
And we see this picture of the branches and the vine. He says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. Oh, there's what's, that's what Martha was trying to do. She was trying to produce fruit when she wasn't rooted in the thing that nourishes her. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. It's that simple. Remain in me. Sit in me. Remain in relationship. Connect to me. And then, then you can be an extension of my love. Then you'll be fruitful. Then you will flourish. Then you will do. Then you will go. Then you will produce. When you feel loved, it's flourishing. When I'm over, when I'm overflowed with love, there's a, there's a natural producing about me. People want to be around me more. You can give more. You can grow more. You can multiply more because you remain planted and rooted in love. We have to sit before we take our stride. And I close with this thought. I, I, I had this like revelation moment a couple days ago when reading this scripture and I kind of wrestled with like the thought of Mary's the hero and like I'm just I I don't relate with the like the free spirit I want to love and love and love and sit and love and feel you know I mean Mary is the worst workout partner ever like she's the one that stretches the whole time makes excuses always late you know she's got fake asthma and her back hurts and we've only ran 100 meters I'm like I like I mean I like to get after it like I'm a doer I'm a goer I'm like Mary's the hero really God like I want to go I want to do I want I want you know, it's so funny. I was like talking to our staff. I was like, really? I have to preach on love? Like, I want to preach on like, take the mountain, you know? Uh, I'm like, God, show me, show me, show me. Like, just give me that revelation of sitting and receiving. Like, show it to me. And I just like, just had this picture of like, I cannot give what I don't have. Just ha- I just had this image of like, I can't run until I take a moment to be stationary, to vision all, to see and to to think clearly all that he has, the course that he has set out for me. And then I came upon this verse and just, if you have to go, just stay with me for two more minutes. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm ending right now, but like, you've got to see this because this is just like, I, mean, I, I just had goosebumps in my, in my kitchen. And uh, if, if you know me, like I don't say stuff like that very often. I mean, this was just like, a revelation from heaven for me, and I just hope this this will help you. John 20, it says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was dark, Mary went to the tomb after Jesus was on the cross with you and I in mind, and he, he made the ultimate sacrifice for relationship. He died. They wrapped him, and they put him in the tomb, and It was early in the first day of the week while it was dark and Mary went to the tomb. There she is again. And she saw, because she could see clearly that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And then it says, so she came running. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. 
Wait a minute. Mary is a sitter. Mary is team Wing Chill. Mary, this is not her personality. You know, she's sitting, sleeping, and it says, so she came running because she was so full of the love of God. And this, she witnessed a miracle that she could not keep it in. And she came running. It says to Simon Peter and the other disciples and the one Jesus loved, John talking about himself in third person and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Mary came running to declare that there is a risen Savior, that he loved us so much that he did not stay on that cross, but he rose again. She was the runner that communicated the relentless gospel that he came running after you. So she came running to dispense the love. You gotta sit before you stride. And Jesus allowed her to run, to be a voice piece. She was the first communicator of the gospel. But he filled her up. She was sitting, she was sitting, he was filling, she was receiving. Our function as a believer is to receive. We can receive, then we can run. We can sit, then we can catch our stride. Let's be the recipients of love, amen.